All right. Welcome, everyone. Eugene. Hey, how's it going? Good morning. Good morning. So today's the last kind of topic in the this month's, um, today's the last episode in this month's topic. And I wanted to kind of sum up what we've discussed in, in a sense and kind of um, see what you kind of took away for yourself in terms of um, the mindset that's needed to be a business owner. And then I'll share what I kind of took away. Yeah, sure. So after after talking to those couple of people, it was interesting how they they complimented that I was trying to look inward to figure out kind of my strengths and interests. And that was encouraging in that I don't have to pursue some sort of goal or mindset that I'm not like aware of, that I'm really supposed to discover what I am like to begin with and then use those skills to like use those skills and feelings that I have for my own venture and not model people that aren't similar to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Absolutely. Did you discover any specific, well, two things actually, did you kind of zeroed in on like the, mindset the thoughts that you're supposed to have the maybe the skill not skills kind of per se but um sort of your thought pattern that you should develop or have um if you wanted to start something of your own so i was thinking a bit about how to structure a business and what sort of environments i like to work in and i kind of always knew this, but this idea of having a boss and subordinates sort of bothers me where I don't, I don't like having a boss that tells you what to do, but I also don't like being the boss and having to handhold people into doing what I want. And the, the sort of management style that I like more is you work as a team and the team is judged as a whole, not so much individually. And that's very common in software development and agile and scrum where you, you have dedicated people doing, you know, certain job functions, but it's the team as a whole that has to be self-sufficient and wholly able to do whatever the business needs so I don't quite know how that translates to me opening a company in that model, but it's encouraging that software seems to be doing that already. So maybe I can use some of those interests in this group accountability model, as opposed to I have to come up with the ideas and sort of micromanage people to my win. <laughs> Well, if you well, first of all, if you set things up correctly, you don't have to micromanage anybody. Um, if you hire the right people, you don't have to um, micromanage everybody. And what's interesting is that this is where we completely we completely contradict each other in the sense that we're completely opposite. Um, I've since since I was a kid, I was always 
I always thought it's not fair that let's say in our kindergarten, we would have, um, if someone misbehaves, you know, they're given a warning. And then if they mis- still misbehave, then the entire group, let's say, gets deprived of, I don't know, cookies or whatever. And I always thought that it wasn't fair because why should my, you know, if I'm behaving well, why should my, why should it be punished for somebody else? So I don't necessarily agree um, with that setup. I mean, if it works for you, great. It just would never work for me, ever. (laughs) I mean, it just sounds that your teachers were using negative reinforcement improperly. And if you punish the whole for something that one person does, that's, that's not fair. And there are still personal performance reviews. And if someone's being negligent or irresponsible, they can still be held accountable for their own actions. But as far as, okay, we have a product and we have to make it and there was a defect, it's not that you have one person signing off that this product has no defects. It's the team that's responsible for coming up with what should be built, building it, and testing it. And yeah, individual people do different parts, but the team as a whole is responsible for the end product. And that doesn't mean that if someone comes in late to a meeting for the last two months that we can't fire him or that the group needs to be punished. But it's more about holding the team accountable as as a whole, as opposed to blaming one group that could have found an issue early. Interesting. Okay, I guess. Um, I mean, it's still, teams is one thing, but uh, individual responsibility for their own role is in something else. And I don't think that that necessarily means or equates to micromanagement. Uh, but, I mean, it's a good point. Um, it's, you have your own view, you know, you're you're working for a larger company, you know, you have all these different tiers of authority or whatever. Um, And by the way, micromanagement happens more often than you think. Right. And a lot of times people are held accountable by their managers and they just pass it to their subordinates until it hits someone like me that I don't want to be passing like responsibility. I want to have this team mentality. So if the team is given a task, great. I want to I want to solve it, but people that pass responsibility and I see that this gets passed, you know, two, three, four layers down, that sort of rubs me the wrong way. And if I start something like myself, I don't I don't want to set up a structure where I can tell a VP to do something and that VP tells you know, their director to do something and it goes all the way down. <laughs> I I don't find that useful uh, or maybe I don't want a business of that size and I want a smaller sort of venture that the company is just a team. And maybe that means the company will never grow past, you know, 10 employees. Well, congratulations. You now have a vision. Right. That's what I was thinking at least. Good. That's a good thought. Well, I've kind of, uh, for me, for myself, I made um, a couple of 
drew a couple of con conclusions based on the guests that we've interviewed and the topic that we'd, we've discussed. And I've, I kind of think that, um, uh, well, first of all, it's it was nice to hear that when you, if you want to start something and you're not sure where to start, start with your strength. Like that to me is empowering. Um, and also, I really um, like the intuitive approach to that. Like my entire life, I've rarely kind of trusted my intuition. And and in many cases, I would say that my intuition doesn't work or it's silent or whatever. But then um, actually, when I started listening to it after reading a book called The Gift of Fear um, by Gavin De Becker, um, that book is mostly about, you know, domestic violence and all of that. But what I kind of got out of it was that my intuition is actually super powerful. And the, the, where I went wrong in that kind of space, my basically for 30 plus years of my life, where that I, I was ex trying to explain my intuition, what my intuition was telling me. So I was trying to logically say, oh, it makes sense or it doesn't, instead of just listening to it. And that kind of, for me, was an, not an eye-opener, but um, reminded me kind of that a lot of times you have to kind of trust your intuition, trust yourself, and and um, especially if you're starting something, um, not necessarily trust your immediate emotions, because a lot of us, you know, when we start something or have a business idea, we get excited about it and forget about the... Um, kind of the stuff that needs to be figured out to make sure that you don't fail. But um, kind of removing or setting aside emotions or giving yourself time for those emotions to kind of calm down and then um, listen to yourself in terms of where to go, where to start, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that makes sense. You got to, like your your mind or your brain sort of generates ideas and it's it's on you to figure out which one of those you want to act on and having the courage to sort of pick one and try it out. I think that's pretty important. Yeah. Um, okay. So I feel like um, I would kind of sum up and say that in order to start a business, I feel like there is no mindset that you should have or be born with, but there are things that I've, I liked what, what Amber said, where, and a lot of, by the way, a lot of business coaches and um, just business people tell you that, um, that basically you have to kind of come up with things that are non-negotiable, um, like being location independent is non-negotiable um, for her and for me, like not having an actual office outside of um, it's outside of my, uh, my current office is non-negotiable, for example. So when you're starting out, I feel like if you don't know where to start, um, you think you, you, I feel like you need to come up with an non-negotiable. And what I mean is like for you, what would be, let's say top three things that you would absolutely want to have if you were to do it on your own, if you were to launch your idea or to try things out, that kind of thing. What do you think? So for me, it's sort of 
literally the opposite of you two. <laughs> I <laughs> I would want something local, and I would also want to have an office. Like I want to, if you ever watch like the Office TV show, I I basically want that sort of company, and not not like the middle distributor way, but like I want a company where it's small people can come into work and I do want it to be like regional or local so that it is very much a part of the community. Interesting. Never thought of you as a community person. Hmm. Me neither. <laughs> um, interesting. Well, at least it's a start. So now you, you know, and I, I feel like you should write this down or something. Um, <laughs> well, the structure of a business was never like lacking. It's the it's the product vision that I don't have. And you'll figure it out, I think. It's not you don't nobody starts ever starts a business with, you know, knowing everything. I feel like once you've said some things like your non-negotiables or they're also called in book writing um they're also called immutable laws what you start with that and then see where it takes you kind of you know you know already two things like having an office that's part of the community or a company that's part of the community local community and then also your other thing is that having having your company be a team an actual team um, so those two things, I think, I think are pretty powerful and a pretty good start. Yeah, I just gotta, you know, figure out what to sell. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easy part, usually. You know, a lot of the coaches, coaches and um, <clears throat> programs that are out there teach all of that. <clears throat> there is Marie Forleo's uh, B School, where you basically the first module that you have access to is called um, "Start the Right Business." And that's where you figure out and then you test and she gives you kind of like the procedure um, to test your idea or your whatever business and, and stuff like that. So there are a lot of coaches that do that. So that's, I think, is, um, not an easy part, but kind of like an easier side. Yeah, I think picking something small that I can manage and test out in the market I guess now is a weird time to be testing out new products, but I guess every every time is kind of weird. Yeah. But yeah, I guess I, I guess I gotta find some sort of thing that I can start testing, and maybe set up the infrastructure of how I get paid, how people find me, and then try to hone in on the product itself over time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, now. Yes, the times have changed, but because of the pandemic and stuff, but I feel like businesses who find a way to pivot will thrive. Um, also, there will be opportunity for new businesses because, you know, our normal has changed and who knows for how long. And new ideas will be more important than ever, new business ideas. And being able to do it virtually will allow folks to, or is already allowing folks to kind of not invest a lot of capital in the beginning, which is interesting. 
Um, and I feel like now that we've sort of convinced you that you can try something on your own, <laughs> um, I feel like our next topic for the for our next month will be kind of where do you start? So in terms of the back office stuff, like do you need a lawyer? Do you need an accountant? Do you need what do you need to be to start? What kind of investment you're looking at, and all of that. I um I have some resources that will be available and and we can kind of discuss that the topic next. I feel like it would be a natural flow. Do you agree? Yeah, I think that sounds great. All right, so I think we're going to wrap up for today. Um we've hopefully provided some good information, some good insights uh, or recommendations or whatever. And um Eugene, any final thoughts on this topic of mindset? Hmm. I don't really have any final thoughts, but I think you have to keep exploring your own sort of mentality about things and seeing how it evolves and just kind of trust yourself and don't be afraid to try things. Awesome. I love that. Finally. Welcome. Mm. <laughs> All right. Um, so I want to say, um, that it's a wrap for, for this episode and we'll see you in the next, right, Eugene? Yeah. See you next week.